star date 06092022. Welcome to the West Coast time frame of the Star Trek Discovery podcast, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. We're so excited to have you. I am your captain for tonight, Mariah Gossett. With me on the view screen, we have Clyde Haynes. Clyde, thanks for being here. I'm excited. We didn't have to rush through dinner and things. We get to be like whole human people tonight. Very exciting. Not only that, but our our, our Patreon crew just finished up mm-hmm. a watch along of tonight's episode. Yes. So they're ready. Like they're, they're primed and ready to talk about this. And there is definitely plenty to talk about tonight. But first, can we uh, maybe remind the people in the chat how they can uh, interact with us? They can chat with us. And then uh, afterwards, I'll remind people how they can listen uh, if they are listening to the podcast version or how they can support that way. Sure. If you're watching us live like Nicole or Lise or Carmen or Phil, um, then and you want to share along your thoughts, then we encourage you to type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat. And we'll take a look at your comment, um, your question, your correction of a fact that we miss. And when we get to that special part of the episode where we ask for these, you can type in capital H, capital F, you'll know what we're talking about, capital HF at that time, and we'll take a look at your you-know-what. Yes, we will talk about that in just a moment. But if you are listening to us, maybe this is the first time you're listening to us. Welcome. We appreciate it. We're excited that you're here. We're going to talk all about Strange New Worlds. But if you would like to join us and chat about Star Trek in general, if you want to hang out with some really cool people in a Slack channel, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. We appreciate the support for just $2 an episode. You can come hang out with us in our exclusive Slack channel. You can get access to some bonus episodes of this podcast. We do crossover episodes with other Star Trek uh, podcasts in our larger Star Trek universe of fandom because um, we all like to to be together and to be friends. And it's a good time over there. So hope you can join us. That's patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Uh, if you would like other ways to support us, you can find all of our social media handles at Star Trek you know, Mariah, I was thinking when we talk about Patreon, like we used to have all these like special Patreon like series, like Women of Track, mm-hmm. or like we do a special like you we know, did a bunch of Q stuff. It was like there's a bunch of stuff. The movies. Here's the thing. There's not really an off season anymore. There's not. We, we used to have all this extra time. Right. But I have been talking to our friend Giraffe, who was on last uh, last week as a special guest. Shout out to Giraffe over at Strange New Pod. Um, and I think her and I are going to dive into some more comic books uh, with some folks over there. So if you're into talking about the comic books, hearing us give those a review, I think there's going to be some more bonus content coming your way. But yeah, as Great. you were saying, Clyde. Great. Yes. Um, what I'm trying not to do is I was hanging out with some nerds over the weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm trying not to get pulled into like Star Trek minifigure role-playing games. Like I oh. think that might be a step too far. I'm I'm on the I'm 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 on the border right now. I'm like, man, can I can I do I need more? Were you a D and D person at, at any point in your life? I was not. Um mm. but I was in a game store because I like board games and yeah, yeah. they were I was wearing a Star Trek shirt. And as you do, like, as you do. Ooh, you should check this out. And I was like, what is this? And they were like, welcome to our world. And I was like, you're trying to pull me in. I don't, 
I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I mean, you're you're talking. I have not played a role playing game in a long time, but I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. I was really into Call of Cthulhu. That was like my role playing game. So if we need to make some character sheets and potentially record a little a little game time, I might be down sometime. Okay, all right. Bet we can find some stuff. Um, but yes, tonight we are not playing role-playing games. We are going to no. talk about episode six of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. I did have some news. I don't know if you watched the Ready Room episode for this week, but it was a extended interview with our uh, commander-in-chief of all things Star Trek, Alex Kurtzman, uh, giving some details and kind of reviewing the last few seasons of Trek. And there are some really exciting announcements in there, one of which is that there is going to be crossovers happening. I I heard about this, yes. And I feel like towards the end of this episode, I definitely want to have some fun theorizing our favorite uh, ideas of some crossovers. So I'm going to let that marinate. I I got one that I... Can I I say it now? This one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is what I want to see. This is is what I want to say. I want to see a live-action... Boimler, like an yes. actual Boimler in the, yes. like in a flesh, a non anim and non animated Boimler. That's what I want. I I would love to see uh, Mariner and Boimler. I want to see my lower decks crew, IRL. Yes. Would love to see that. I also think it would be fun to Rutherford. see a um a lower decks animated Picard or Janeway. I think that could be really fun. I feel like lower decks is primed for crossovers of all yeah. of them. You know what? Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go full on nerd here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lower decks, Jordy would like be the sweet spot for me. Like I nice. could absolutely see them pulling that off. Can you like think a, about a mentor? Oh, a Jordy and Rutherford moment would be so like wholesome and yet yeah. delightful. I would really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. The other big piece of news is that uh, we we know they've already approved season two of Strange New Worlds. That's that's been news that we've had for a while. But there are some more original series uh, characters and uh, concepts and things that might be familiar to the original series folks coming into the second season. So I feel like I, I definitely need to do a rewatch of the original series. I think we're gonna we're gonna get into the show. I promise. But Mariah, I've got a question for you. So I mm-hmm. recently read that um, the third season of Ted Lasso, which is an amazing show, is going to be the last. Like, they originally set out to do three seasons. I'm I'm kind of devastated for this, so I will... You know, I appreciate that when you have a vision and you know how you want to execute it and you're not going to let those, like, tasty dollar signs eat up the creativity and the purpose that you had. So I I appreciate that. But I also understand the heartbreak. It is a very, very nice show. But as you were saying... Here's what I'm trying to figure out. Paramount has fallen into a cash cow at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Like whatever they put out with the Star Trek logo is just, it's printing money. Like we're going to eat it up. We're going to watch it, right? Like there are a lot of people who thought the first season of Picard was not the best product, yet those people still watched every single episode. So here's what I'm kind of curious about. Are we looking at a several, a bunch of series that are going to go 10 episodes? I mean, 10 seasons. Like, are we just going to keep getting more and more and more of this? Or are, are they going to kind of go the Ted Lasso route and go, 
We've got a vision for five seasons. What do you think? I don't know. I, I would be interested to hear what each showrunner has in mind. I mean, we already know Picard is coming to an end after season three. So that's going to be kind of our first of new Trek that has like a distinct beginning, middle and an end, right? Like that's one that's going to come to a close. Um, so I would be interested to see what each showrunner has like in their idealized versions of the show. Um, and like, is Strange New World something that could just continue and have early days of Captain Kirk, right? Like there is a continuation po potential I, there. I pushed it a little bit. And here's the question I'd have is, I mean, look, there are shows like ER and really Grey's Anatomy that go on for like forever. I mean, they're on season 19. Season 19, <laughs> right. Could Strange New Worlds go the full 10 and then birth a TOS reboot? I don't know if it would go full TOS reboot, but I could definitely see them potentially doing something. I mean, we also have the whole Kelvin universe that has potential and possibility and cast that's hungry and ready to do that. And they're already working on an actual, actually working on another movie like that is actually happening. Um, so yeah, I, I would be interested to see, cause I, I would assume as a showrunner, you're coming in and you have your idealized version of how you want to do this. And maybe that is, we're just going to keep going until they tell us we have to stop. Or it could be the lasso version of like, we have eight beautiful seasons that we think are going to be wonderful and we'll see what happens. I, I have to think they'll keep going because the truth of the matter is the whole, I don't want to get in trouble, but Paramount Plus was a risky move in general. Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to dig into this episode and we can maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, we'll yeah. do a bonus pod about the ins and outs of, of what this looks like. Cause the other thing is, is being in, in Los Angeles and involved in this industry that we work in. Right. Um, is uh, there are a lot of mergers happening right now. And so I know there's a big one that's going to include Paramount Plus. It's probably gonna be called something else again soon <laughs> um uh but it would be very interesting to see how much survives once something like that happens because a lot of times companies will yeah do put a lot of put a lot of stuff into a cannon to see if it'll fire and make some money so we'll see yeah. we will okay see. well let's uh, enough shop talk let's let's enough. get into this episode this was enough, a, enough. an interesting episode to talk about a hundred percent. All right. Let's create our own subspe subspace frequency, see if Spock can find us. And we're going to dive into Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, directed by Andy uh, Armageddon. I hope I'm saying that right. Written by Robin Weisserman and Bill Walkoff. Um, and I think it might be time for that, that special time of the episode where we're going to get a, a sweet callback to our, our ghost of the host, from the past, good old Grant. Hot breaks. We got a hot break time. Clyde, what are your hot, tasty opinions about this particular episode? I mean, there was a lot for me in this. So I'll, I'll start off to say, I think in every Trek series, there are a few episodes where you go, I'm good. I don't need to see that one again. This might be that one for me. And that doesn't mean that it was bad. It just means like Trauma. seriously, when they yeah, when they pulled back that curtain 
on the previous first servant. I was just like, great. Good luck trying to get that out of my head. Um, I, I I thought this was an, was an, it was interesting from the standpoint of, I was really hoping that Pike was not going to go all Kirk slash uh, Riker and hook up with the <laughs> with the woman. Uh, I was like, dude, come on now. You, she seems completely sus. Like, yeah. don't don't go there. Um, so it, so it was kind of interesting from that standpoint. Um, it was kind of a bit of this mystery, which I thought was it was interesting. Um, I was I was completely rooting for Mbenga to um, get some help with his daughter. I think that's a very kind of interesting storyline that's going to pull on the heartstrings. Um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing if whether or not that is resolved by the end of the season. Like, so, so I like the fact that that's continuing to, to, to move forward. Um, I thought it was interesting that we got to see Uhura in another rotation um, now with security, which I thought was fascinating. It's I'm so fascinated by, by this Uhura character. She may be my number one favorite character from a development standpoint, because I feel like they've taken a character that we've already loved, but admittedly knew very little about. And they've created an, an incredible backstory for us to follow. Like if, if you had told me prior to the series that she had rotated across all of the, the, um, the, the functions, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have, I would have been like, mm, I don't know about that, but to see it is, is amazing. Um, and so I've, I've been, I enjoyed that. It's hard to see children hurt. It's hard to see that persecution. Um, and so there were a lot of, you know, you, most of you guys know I'm a dad. There are a lot of strong emotions there. And so while I thought that the father figure was a little, came across as a little disconnected early, like I just remember when he was sitting in that cell talking to Una, like I felt him. Like I, I mm-hmm. when he just said, I guess this is where, but like I felt that. Like I absolutely felt that. So, um, yeah. 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 There's a lot to unpack in this episode. There was, um, it was both deeply dark and so deeply TOSy in a way in that you get that weird blend of like a captain who's got a little bit of those like love goggles on and cannot see what is right in front of his face. Um, and I appreciate the commentary. I mean, good sci-fi is giving you commentary on the times that we live in. Right. And I mm-hmm. feel like this was obviously taking a stance on the times that we currently live in um, and about the suffering of others. And what are we willing to sacrifice in exchange for, quote unquote, like the best life, right, for everyone else who is truly mm-hmm. being sacrificed. Um, so I definitely want to dive into that discussion with you. I also... Um, like shout to Anson Mount who must've done so many push-ups prior to that shirtless scene, because I don't know if it's like between episode one and episode now, if he got like an extra gym membership or what happened or just some extra push-ups before that scene. But it was like, woof, you know, it was, it was steamy in there, but someone well, who I did not want him to even get steamy with. Cause from the moment she showed up, I was suspicious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I agree. I don't know if this will be the top of my rewatch list, but I appreciate what it was doing. I also love, like you said, seeing Ahura having this journey, and I appreciate seeing that. And and I felt like there was a decent balance of both, like, 
intense storytelling with a few moments that that give you at least a little bit of a breath within the episode itself to kind yeah. of catch up with what's happening with the Embega storyline and with um, Ahura's storyline, especially because she gets a big win. And I always love seeing Ahura have a big win. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to start out by talking a little bit about Star Trek in literature because this is actually based off of a short story. Um, and Star Trek has used this before. It was it was one of the things that was said to have inspired um, season three. It's a story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Amelis. Um, it is by the writer um, Ursula Kaylee Guin, uh, I think. Um, I will look up how to pronounce that. Apologies. But uh, it's uh, from 1973. It's a short, short story. Um, it's it's often used. It's It's been kind of cycled in a, in a few different variations as far as its representation in, in media, but um, I appreciated its use here. I thought it was a very smart use. Star Trek also loves referencing literature. We've had Data as Sherlock. We've had countless um, Shakespeare references. Even Discovery had uh, Alice in Wonderland. Um, mm -hmm. We've had Mark Twain. You know, like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of 20th and uh and 19th century american literature <laughs> and uh, earth literature gets referenced in this sci-fi world um so i thought that was like a fun little kind of nod to i think some of the classic trek um have you are you familiar with the story at all clyde just a, a little bit like I, I i think i i came across it years and years and years ago mm -hmm. um so like and i've seen the as you mentioned i've seen it pop up in kind of TV film from time to time. Um, but yeah, just, just vaguely at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I, I did not have time to read it between the time I watched this and realized the reference <laughs> having to talk about this, but I'm, I'm interested in, in revisiting it. Cause I think it's probably something that's um, useful in this time period. And I know even like uh, shouts to my mom. I know she likes to listen to the podcast. She teaches this story in uh, some of her classrooms. So I, I was like, oh, this would be fun for, I don't know if I would show this episode in a classroom. It's pretty intense, but uh, <laughs> it might be, uh, there might be something there. But uh, I also wanted to jump in from, from the get-go, we get this very interesting situation on the bridge where they're supposed to be kind of doing this routine visit to this planet. We get a lot of these routine visits, you know, and and gone, wrong. gone wrong and pike uh you know essentially i feel like is wooed into a very suspicious situation but then clearly dismisses all of his suspicions as soon as he sees this woman that he's hooked up with in a prior a prior visit here <laughs> I, I felt like i needed a little bit more of that backstory of like how Lieutenant. special was she because she wasn't she she did not come across as special to me um she came across a suspect from day one yeah i truly like even the whole situation i was surprised that the bridge didn't push back a little bit on this like why is this ship like attacking this other ship we can't get in contact with anyone we have this request for assistance and then this other random ship just completely blows up, even when it shouldn't have blown up, right? Like that bridge officer was very concerned when she saw that the tractor beam caused. Um, oh, sorry, that was the second kind of yeah. space thing. But 
inevitably both things were suspicious. Like there are suspicious issues with these ships on in both of these times. And so I feel like Pike really had some romance blinders on in this situation. Yes. Love goggles as they call them in the mm -hmm. chat. Um, I, I, here's what I love about the rewatch is that in the rewatch, now that you know, not only th that that suspicious feeling that you have is not just a feeling, mm -hmm. you you know it's it's actual. So when you go back and watch it the second time, now you're looking at her actions. So there's a moment during that first kind of ship accident where they're walking through the ship, mm -hmm. and Spock picks up this like neural inhibitor, and he's like, "Is the and he doesn't know what it is, he, and he's saying, "Hey, this is not." part of the ship do you know what it is she looks panicked right like like oh i've been caught <laughs> right like something's going on like hmm like she's like no i don't know what it is and i did not believe that she knew it was going like she i don't know that she knew exactly what was going on but she knew what that was and and i guess i was looking for someone some enterprise crew to see her and go mm, we, we need to watch her closely I really thought maybe Una would be like, I don't know, you know, like, cause she's seen probably Pike's, uh, you know, love goggles a few times in their years together and probably has some idea of when it can be trusted and can't be trusted. But, um, you know, I appreciate that they're making Pike not like, we know he's fallible, right? Like, and that's something that we have to sort of remember from time to time. And it's something that I appreciate about Star Trek captains is that they're not always perfect people. And so I think if his big blind spot is like love and lust, then perhaps, you know, he, he is still mortal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's an interesting, an interesting kind of trend that you have these really successful duty field heroic men and i think i don't know that we've really seen it with women mm -hmm. it definitely seems to be a that kind of a trope that follows the our male characters um star trek that, like slutty captains male captains pretty much <laughs> Right. And it's like, if you can't get a slutty Jean-Luc, you have an uber slutty first officer. It's like, if you mm -hmm. can't be a slutty <laughs> captain, then your first officer just got to be off the rails. Right. Got deep V's, deep V's deep, only. Deep V's. Right. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it, I think it's interesting that they're, that that's the flaw that they chose to, to poke at. It's kind of like they make really boneheaded moves when it comes to romance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to I, see. I, I'm hoping that Pike. I feel like he's going to be Pike. more cautious after this whole situation because obviously I think he jumped in a little too headstrong. Uh, and perhaps he's hopefully learned his lesson in this universe that we're getting to see him in. I did want to talk about the Marjalis people and sort of this like world that we've built here for them, right? They are not members of the Federation. They don't want to join. Obviously they have probably seen, they read the rule book and said, I don't think we can fit in here because we sacrificed children. Um, I was so fat. I wanted to know how often does this have to happen? Right. Cause that, that, that child that came off of the chair did not look like it grew. It, it it didn't look like this was like once in a lifetime type of deal. Yeah. Right. It, it looked like this was 
I mean, it looks like this is something that happens fairly routine, maybe. Like, I mean, he what that child looked like he was what, 10, maybe 12? Maybe. Maybe. So does this happen every 10 or 12 years or yeah, more I mean, frequently? I just, I don't know. I mean, all I, of obviously too frequently at all. But yeah, the concept of the first servant, because I, I will say at first, when they first started talking about it, I almost, um, uh, I know within like some sections of, um, I think of, of like specifically Tibetan Buddhism and I could be totally wrong, but I know there is like a, like essentially like a version of the Dalai Lama that's supposed to be like a child sort of figure. Right. And so I was like, at first I was like, Oh, are they sort of playing on this idea and this concept within, you know, other religions or other sort of mythologies or whatever that um, a child inhabits this like godlike present. Right. And, and is there to serve the people and is this like, that what they're referencing and then eventually we get to this like terribly dark twist that this child has to be sacrificed and um it is i i mean to me a very interesting allegory for what currently happens within our own world right is like we order things on amazon that are probably put together by children in other countries and not only that like there are children who go hungry in america right like Mm -hmm currently this isn't did this is a very big tangent but did you know in like in in europe there are you know those commercials that we get here that are like for 10 cents a day you could sponsor a child in like a developing country they get ads about sponsoring like american children in like european like however many kids go to bed hungry in america every night like give to feed it feed america like that kind of stuff i thought that was wild to learn yeah i mean i mean this is something that I think about a lot because, you know, the move for me from from Texas to L.A., one of the first things I noticed is that the school system here in L.A. is that um, they provide food for the kids every day. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a big deal, because even in places like that, the worry then becomes um, if you know what happens when school's out. Right mm-hmm. when when there's a holiday or there's a break, right? As we're I mean, we, with... we saw it recently with the pandemic, right? Like what mm-hmm. happens when kids don't have access to that infrastructure? Right, and even now, like I got text messages from from my ch- my my daughter's school that's saying, "Hey, look, we have resource centers, right?" We, like it, it seems like such a small thing, but it's something that touches just touches my heart because I'm like, when you're hungry, you just don't function. Like that's kind of like the 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 core of everything. And so the idea that we're not taking care of, or, or we're not really focused on making sure that the, the, the children are taken care of is scary to me. And so this episode is saying like, we can take care of everybody if we just sacrifice the most vulnerable. Mm. Ah, that is just right. And that scene where they're asking do like basically do we have your consent like do you freely give yourself and i'm thinking and he doesn't fully ask, answer he not only does he not fully answer but there has to be a certain age where consent makes sense right because like he's super smart and i think what they gave us was someone who intellectually was really advanced in terms of mm-hmm. like being able to build and create and all these things 
But that's different from being able to give the consent of your life at that age, right? I just, oh, that was yeah. so hard to watch. It was very hard to watch. And you wonder, too, like, how informed was that consent for that kid, right? Like, he is, they have built him up to be this incredible, like, genius and, and sort of child prodigy and uh, aware of, like, the importance of this of this selection that has been made and bestowed upon him, right? But uh, I don't think he truly knew what he was getting mm-hmm. into until he saw that other child come down off that chair. And yeah. like, and what is this? It's so in, like, I felt like Pike asked the question and we never fully got the answer of like, what happens if you don't do this? Like they kept being like, Oh, the seas will rise and the volcanoes will erupt and like all these things. And they're like, we've tried to find alternatives to powering this. And it just felt like I needed more. Like I needed like, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know how like sometimes in like the Thor movies, right? They have like, here's the painting of like our history and how we know this is where we have to be or whatever as guardian history. And this is why we live like this. And I, I felt like I need, I, I wanted more, but I understand why they didn't give us more. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, I think, I think in, in certain other episodes, especially like TNG, we got a little bit more, like it's this quick, montage of like here's how we got here right like it's you know a a, a short monologue about why we think this is necessary and then usually the federation's technology or something can offer an an alternative if this were a book right we'd get two chapters on the history of this and and why why they think it's necessary um so like you i was left thinking I don't, I don't understand how does, you know, and again, I'm, I'm getting into the, the technical, the science of mm-hmm. it, but how does the brain waves of a child stop the seas from rising? Right. And, 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 and if that's the case, damn it, find a new planet. Like, yeah. Just leave. You just like leave. that other colony. I've, I'm hoping maybe we get a revisit to this kind of prop this issue right in this storyline at some point because they seem to have left it as that as a possibility since the dad character goes to that colony to try to essentially see if they can change the culture um but i also thought it was interesting because i i also wanted to know then like how good is the life for everybody there that you're willing to make this sacrifice right because like there seemed to still be some hierarchy there like there was still like this queen-like you know i mean i'm projecting like our but i mean that's the point of sci-fi right is like i'm projecting our current value system into this world that they've created but there is like this like white woman queen bossing around her black woman assistant uh, asking her to go do all these things and i was like so there still seems to be like a hierarchy here this isn't like we all live in this utopia where everyone is equal and we, and we literally just sacrifice this one person. There seems to still like there's guards who are willing to sacrifice their lives. Right. This feels very like more game of Thrones, more like uh, uh, alternative to like a King, a, a kingdom sort of vibes. Right. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's pushing the sacrifice for the greater good to an extreme. Right. It's yeah. It's like, but everyone is not going to have disease and there are, we're going to eradicate hunger and, you know, perhaps there won't be violence. And if, if you can solve all this just with the, again, the 
the sacrifice, the death of the most vulnerable, the most innocent, mm -hmm. would you do it? And I will repeat my new catchphrase. Damn it, find a new planet. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It does seem, especially for like a society that has the ability to, to leave, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not like a society that doesn't have, they're not a pre-warp society. They have access to the Federation. They could say, yeah. we're tired of living this way. Help us rehome our society. Sure. Which I know I, sounds much simpler, but this is Star Trek, y'all. Like, come on now. Like, if we're going to. Would not be <laughs> the first time. That's all I'm saying. It would not be the first time. And here's the, I mean, this also does, you know, it's. It, there could also be some interesting things about like how we treat people who are seeking better lives, right? Like how do we treat refugees who are fleeing places that are unsafe for them? And how could we be more supportive of that? How could um, we figure out a way for everyone to, to thrive? Because we do, I mean, we do live in a society where lots and lots of people are sacrificed every single day um, mm -hmm. for us to quote unquote live the lives that we live um, and, oh man, there's just, there's so many ways, uh, you know, that you could really take this, this metaphor. And like, I, I can't help but think of like the people who yell and scream about how they have to have access to like, uh, AR so, guns as a AR 15. Yeah. And then classrooms full of children are their sacrifice. It's like, we could get real deep and dark y'all. I don't know. I, I, again, <laughs> Again, as a dad, yeah, how of a fourth how, grader who used to live two hours away from Uvalde, um, I have I have strong opinions and feelings about that. Um, and and look, I'm we're not gonna, I don't I don't know that we're going to get that get into this on that on this pod, but I don't understand that need, right? I, I you talk about this the sacrifice for this need, I don't know. I don't know that you need an AR-15 and I for damn sure don't know, know that you need to. Um, and so th this idea of sacrificing for what, for our desires, our values, our wants, what we think are our rights, our pleasures. You know, I do think that, I do think that this is an interesting episode that is poking at us at an interesting time. And I think what I'm really fascinated by and I want to think about is they wrote this episode, filmed this episode long before the events of the recent weeks, mm -hmm. right? So this isn't new, right? They've been, they, they're poking at something that isn't new, that isn't recent. And so while we're thinking about it in terms of the things that have happened in the recent weeks, mm -hmm. it's not. And, and that's the thing that is so interesting about Star Trek. It's so interesting about when we do the, the rewatches of TOS that happened decades ago, and we still go, oh, that's still an issue today. Like, that still mm -hmm. resonates. Um, it, it gives us a lot to think about. Yeah, truly. There's... Um... I mean, it's it's effective science fiction, right? That you can apply mm -hmm. it to so many aspects of today, see what could be changed, and it makes you think about all these things. So I'd say this is um, 
as as difficult as it is to to watch something like this, it it obviously um, struck a chord. Um, yeah. I think with a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people chatting about this. But um, to move on to a only slighter light lighter topic, which is um, Mbega's daughter's situation, where he essentially gets this small glimmer of hope that there is a way to cure his daughter, but this particular culture won't share their technology until that dad has a dad moment and is like, okay, I know I would get in even more trouble by sharing this full tech with you, but let me get you started because I think you're smart enough to figure it out. And I thought that was a very um, sweet moment for, for those two characters and, and for the, for the, um, the father of the first servant to sort of say like, Oh, I didn't get to, save my child but i can perhaps save another right yes ultimately my answer to your question is yes um yes and yes and i'm disappointed mm -hmm. that it took that <laughs> right yeah. yeah like what we're talking about is to here's the thing to a father who knows he is in the midst of trying to covertly and secretly save his child you told another father, I'm not willing to help you save yours. I, I, I don't think he knew it was his his child at that point. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that yeah. discovery process also happened. So I'm going to give the character a little bit of a benefit right. of the doubt. G but. Give him some credit. But I was just knowing, I was just kind of like, for real, like you're doing all of this to save your kid. Listen, we're not talking about weapons. And I understand the conversation of could... If you share technology, could someone weaponize it? I, I get all that. What we're talking about is medical advances. To mm -hmm. me, if you have the technology to eradicate disease in a way that is health, like, you know, without sacrificing children, but if you have the technology to eradicate disease, why wouldn't you share that freely? You know, I ask myself that question every day, Clyde, because we currently live in a place where not everyone has access to medical technology and medical information. <laughs> so yet again, this episode just striking us right between the eyes with mm -hmm. uh, with a deep, dark depression about the state of humanity. So <laughs> um, let's hope next week's a lighter episode. <laughs> I, I feel like it will be. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, la last week's episode was a bit lighter, right? We had yeah, some yeah. typical Star Trek tropes that, mm -hmm. that, you know, body switching. Woo! Yeah. And, yeah. Probably because they knew they were going to sink us into a deep depression. Set us up uh, to just punch <laughs> us right in the chest. <laughs> yeah. So I'm expecting romance, shenanigans, and tomfoolery next week. Let yeah. us let us hope. Um, let us hope. I mean, I this is why I appreciate shows like, like Star Trek. And I think it's why, you know, you and I have talked about this is why you become a fan and remain a fan, I think, into adulthood is that you can see, like, how important this is and how it can be used to hopefully get people talking about all of this like they're you know I know we're a recap podcast and like we're here mm -hmm. to sort of talk and give our opinions about the show and where you think the characters are going but I think it's a disservice to not be like oh there's intention behind what these writers are trying to to do for us as storytellers right like you're not just telling a story for the sake of telling a story although there are, there's plenty of shows that do that I think this this franchise asks for us to think and, and I, I feel like they did that today. Well, and I also think they, one of the things I love about Star Trek is I love heroes. 
Mm-hmm. I love people that you can root for, people that you could look at and go in a, in a world where everyone feels fallen and ourselves included. The ability to look at people who, especially now where characters are three dimensional and not perfect, but characters who even in the midst of, of cost to themselves do the right thing, right? To see Pike fight for even un- unsuccessfully, Mm-hmm. Right. And want to rush to the aid of the first servant to to stand up and go, no, this isn't right. Like, what are you doing to call out his lover? Right. Like, I, could he have done more? I don't know. But I love the fact that I saw him stand up. Like, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was important to see that. Um, and that's what you want. You, you want you want heroes to root for heroes that will inspire us to stand up and those moments, even at great cost, right? Because mm-hmm. from a Federation standpoint, having a relationship with with these people and their technology and their advancements, like selfishly would be a big thing. And Pike could look at it and go, if I can bridge a gap and I've got a personal relationship with this individual, right? If I can bridge this gap, what might that do for my career? And that was not something that ever came to mind for him, right? He looked mm-hmm. at it and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and rush to this person's aid. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed a lot of the hand-to-hand uh, combat sequences in this episode. I thought it was fun. We got to see a little fighting between Pike and the guards and then ultimately Pike and uh, sort of, the guards again, I guess, but in a different situation where he's not like trying to help out his girlfriend. He's instead trying to save this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we do finally get sort of this, I don't want to call it redemption, but we get his crew is sort of essentially being like, Hey, like you got to come back here. Your girlfriend is not who you think she is. Um, and we know that you're, you've got those love goggles on. So you have to come back and see all of this information that we've now figured out and uh, I really enjoyed seeing Ahura and Laon working together to sort of solve this puzzle because I do think from the get-go Laon was probably like something doesn't feel right you know she is a really good really great security officer I feel like I'm truly learning to trust her which makes me a little scared I'm hoping (laughs) that's not going to come back and bite us Um, but I feel like she has good intention and seeing the way that she mentored Ahura through her security sort of detail. Um, I, I enjoyed their very opposite approaches to things. Right. But Ahura is just there to be like, oh, I can be your number one student. I might not do it exactly the way you think I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get it done. Right. You know, I think, a couple episodes ago, we got this. It might have been last week. We got the whole buddy, the buddy adventures yeah. of Una and Leon. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think a more compelling buddy cop show, right, would be like a la Cagney and Lacey style, the odd <laughs> couple. Yeah. Would be Leon and Uhura. Like, I. I would be up for that every week, seeing them solve mysteries and fight crime uh, because they're so different. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the straight man and 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 smiling one. Like, it's just, but they're both extremely talented in their own right. Like, 
I would definitely um I, I want to see more of them paired together. I think we're still we're putting people in pairs and figuring out there's a lot left on the plate mm-hmm. for this show. Like we're not getting enough of Ortega's. Um, you know, I know people like Kyle. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily one of them yet. <laughs> Transporter um, we, Kyle. Transporter Kyle. And then we saw um I felt bad because when Kirk showed up, I was just kind of like I really like how kind of silly Sam Kirk is. I enjoy just these little wink nods. I'm here to give he he feels like um very oh my gosh, number one on lower decks. Um oh uh, uh the blonde dude with the chest muscles. Um yeah. Oh my god. Oh, it be, it it, it, be, it begins with an R, doesn't it? Yes. And I keep I'm ransom. like it's not Riker, ransom. ransom. Thank you, JC. Good lord. Good you. lord. Sorry yes. y'all. There's Take so much check on right now. The names I was yeah. like Riker, it's not Riker. It's a different I one. Give, I was um, like I know it's not Rutherford. Yes, ransom. Ransom. Uh very ransom vibes. <laughs> In a way. They, yes. they went to the same school, you know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's, it's very like, I would call it, they give me Inspector Gadget vibes, right? Like I'm going to mm-hmm. fall forward, right, in a silly manner and ultimately end up solving yeah. whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. Um, yeah, it's just like, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they develop some of these characters kind of mm-hmm. around the, the bridge. And I still don't know that we've gotten enough una yet right like that's the thing about this is that to be honest with you i'd be up for 20 plus episodes of this of this show i think i'd be all for it and we're not gonna get it so it'll be season three before i really feel like we understand who the bridge crew is and i guess that's fine yeah yeah um the other piece of information i i don't want to misspeak i feel like i heard this correctly but i i believe we are going to get to see the Gorn this season. I know we're getting more Gorn. I think we're going to get to see Gorn. And it, and uh, you have to. Yeah. All right. Come on. You have to. Like that, you, you teed up something so perfect. Mm-hmm. If you don't bring that, that's a waste. So like, I'm ready. You, you've got your big bad, right? You've yeah. got an incredible big bad, right? Like I'd expect us to see them uh, quite a bit more. Like this is. Yeah. I could have used them in this episode and left these these crazy people alone. Uh, well, I think that's interesting because oftentimes the Gorn are framed as one of the only truly uh, evil villains of Star Trek, right? And so we have this particular, like, there's always, like, bad guy, or it's like, people with bad intentions but they're more complicated right usually that's that's usually where we end up with like truck villains is like oh there's a morality to learn here and if they learn the morality they wouldn't be bad anymore even to the point where the borg sort of got that bit of a redemption arc in this last season of picard the the chain on um discovery they were pretty bad the chain but i also feel like they're they're in like a because it's in the future right? Mm-hmm. Where things are a little bit different and we aren't quite there, right? It's like a few bad, they're the few bad apples that like ruin okay. the whole bunch sort of thing. But I I think it's interesting because to me, this particular planet, I feel like also has some pretty intense like uh, villain vibe potential and like mm. 
if they're willing to sacrifice children, what else are they willing to sacrifice in order to maintain this quality of life? Uh, I feel like there's something distinctly evil within that in a way Mm -hmm. like it it is that idea. I mean to I think to them they have come to know this sacrifice in the same way that all of us living in this particular time frame right like we all own cell phones that are like full of minerals that are mined by people who don't have great living conditions and often probably died in order for us to have all the technology we're using tonight right and like there's all of that morality to think about and and so like this particular society, it's like they don't see what they're doing is evil, but it is an evil task, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, what, what, where, where are those lines that you are putting in the sand? Like, are you canceling your Amazon Prime account tomorrow? I don't know. I'm not answering that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um, think about it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. No, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I still thought. Um, you know, this is this is great sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I think I think you mentioned this earlier. Not only does it give us a lot to think about, a lot of self-reflection, um, it holds up a mirror to us. Mm-hmm. But you also have some incredible fight scenes, right? Mm-hmm. You've got like if you think we about it, we got space battles. We got, got hand to hand. You know, you know how I love my space, my my ship to ship space battles. Like I mean, this this wasn't a great one, like. It depends on what you think about gay. great, right? So was I, what I thought, did I think it was cool that the Enterprise was fighting an overmatched spaceship? Sure. It's got a little swag to it. Um, but it was creative and they were trying to do something. And that delicate balance of trying to subdue without destroying. Um, you had some hand-to-hand. You had a little romance, right? You had a mystery. Like, this is, we got a lot in this episode. Um, and a big mirror, placed in front of us so this is this is great sci-fi this is why we this is why we sign up for sci-fi that's why we get excited yeah for sure um i want to jump in and see what the chat has been going on i'm going to kind of scroll through here but did you have any other thoughts you wanted to dive into while i'm scrolling Hmm. we've got let's see nicole says pod just in case no one heard kurtzman said we can expect characters from tos from before pike was hurt to show eventually in strange new worlds very exciting that is fun let me see here scrolling scrolling pod uh there's a flaw in allura's chastising uh oh to pike um, that yeah, you look at it and celebrate the sacrifices, but you still make it a shiny, happy thing and not the sober, somber act that it is. It is interesting that, you know, just a few episodes ago, we did get essentially the Remembrance Day where they are having to talk about all the people who have sacrificed in order for mm-hmm. the Federation to exist. And so that does kind of uh, put that weight there of are you, is, uh, what sacrifices are you willing to make in order to advance society? And I, I agree with that. I also agree with stress-free K's last comment. Are, are we going to get to a point where people are going to stop beaming down alone? Can we? Uh, can we get a buddy system? <laughs> like we we do. There it is. I really hope yeah. Pike learned his lesson and will take in our at least Spock on all his future away missions. Or, or you know what? Somebody from security should always attend. Like that should be standard. 
You need somebody from the security team to accompany all the way missions, right? I would take a security person, a medical person, and an engineer in all situations. Like, oh, I'm just going to visit my friend. Bring an engineer, a security person, and a medical person every single time. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, indeed. Um, somebody to fix something, somebody to heal you, and somebody to beat somebody up. Can't go wrong. Just saying. Yeah. I think it's going to be, that would be my protocol going forward. <laughs> uh, said, a red shirt would have cramped Pike's alone time with Laura. That's true. He was strategic, strategic in that beaming down all you know by what? himself. In this situation, that would have been okay, man. That would have been okay. Cramp, like, focus. That's when you just go, why don't you get out of here, you know? But hey, You know what? I saw a bar down the street. Why don't you just go? get a drink you know we'll Hang catch out. up in the morning I'll, I'll we'll check in later okay have fun take the night off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but i think uh this is pretty heavy i'm feeling yeah. like i got to do some uh processing i'm really excited for the rest of the season i feel like this just continues to build momentum um i'm excited to see what happens next episode um I did also see, and I'll I'll confirm, but um, I think we're getting our first like indigenous uh, director of a Star Trek episode next week, which is really exciting. Um, so I'm glad to see that not only is there work, you know, I think we often see the work of um, showing the world as we actually live in it uh, mm-hmm. in front of the camera, and and I hope that continues to to happen behind the camera as well. Yeah, I think I also saw that we're getting a non-binary character on strange new world as well uh oh i think uh yeah and uh trans woman i believe we're getting we're getting all the all the families all the folks we're gonna, we're gonna get a little bit of everybody so that should yeah. be that should it, it'll be interesting and look i'm i ha, i know there's a there's a screener waiting for me to have a down moment um so as i say this rest assured i have no idea what's coming but i am hoping and predicting shenanigans tomfoolery romance horseplay next week we're gonna laugh smile hilarity ensues that's what i'm hoping let's hope and i know we have some hilarity in our future because i i believe the next trek we get after this season of strange new world is going to be um more lower decks which i'm really looking forward to (laughs) i am too um I'm actually looking forward to all. This is going to sound I mean, weird, but I, I'm looking for some more Prodigy too. I know they got quite the big series order, um, and yeah, I'm I'm hoping we can continue to support support our animated animated shows. The thing I don't know about Prodigy, I'd love to see the demographics. Who's watching Prodigy? Because I know it was it was designed for children, but I'm I feel curious. like a lot of adults. <laughs> I, I have a feeling more adults are watching Prodigy than children. Yeah, I don't know. Or adults making their children watch Prodigy with them. I tried. It did not go well. Oh, maybe if it's just on enough, it'll. I'm, maybe you got to gonna... act like it's not cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep at it. Like, I'm not, I am not giving up. Yeah. yeah. We will be a Star Trek watching household. I promise it you. It will happen. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight, Clyde. Always, Always. a pleasure. 
Super fun. And thank you to everyone who joined us in the chat. We're so happy y'all were still here. You're still chatting with us. We appreciate your flexibility in us moving to a different time. Um, this does mean we're hopefully going to also get some more fun uh, guests to hang out with us because we have uh, some other podcasts that this allows them to be able to jump on over. I think Giraffe said she's down to come back by sometime soon. Um, I know she's always excited to talk about Spock, so we'll have to keep that in mind. Um but yeah, I was really excited to chat about this episode. Can't wait for next week. You can Her find me. is welcome anytime. Anytime. She is great. She brings some class to the show, to this pod. For sure. You can uh, visit us at StarTrekPod.co to find links to all of our social media. Thank you to Karen who helps us run social media. And thank you to our patrons who run a fantastic Slack group. Y'all are truly some of the best people on the internet and we appreciate you so much. Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. Uh, Clyde, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Clyde Haynes on Twitter. Um, and they can always find me in the Slack channel. Awesome. Awesome. I'm at Mariah Gossett. You can find me on all the social medias there. We appreciate your support and we will see you next week. Live long and prosper, y'all. Bye.